Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Attitude Check Business Leadership Podcast. Today, as a guest, we have Samuel Thomas Elliott. Samuel is a dynamic young individual who has had a huge footprint on the Colorado Springs community and he shows no signs of stopping. He is currently a technology sales consultant and his involvement in this community has been everything from working with city officials to emceeing economic forums and startup events. Our conversation with Samuel hit a little bit more close to home for me, especially because some of the things that he opened up on was that, like with everyone, there are times in his life when he has no idea what he's doing. For me personally, that really hit close to home because there are so many times in my life when I have no idea what I'm doing. I feel like just breaking down, but you're not going to want to miss the advice that Samuel has for young professionals entering the workforce. I particularly like the part of the conversation where Samuel opened up to us about the type of adversity he's had to face throughout his young professional career. And on surface level, when you first meet Samuel, he's so energetic and passionate about what he does. But underneath that, he has a backstory that's truly inspiring to a lot of young professionals. But enough of us talking. Who better to tell the story than the man himself, Samuel Thomas Elliott? Endeavor to challenge yourself every single day. Engage with your community. Effect change and produce impact. I'm John Mark Radspinner. And I'm Brent Sabati. And this is the Attitude Check Business Leadership Podcast. We have the conversations that young professionals should be having, but aren't. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Attitude Check Podcast. We're here with Sam. Thanks for joining us, Sam. Absolutely. I am pumped to be here. Well, we're excited to have you. We've been kind of keeping an eye on what you've been doing for a while now. Uh, you're super active in the community and you're doing great things for someone who, you know, is in their early 20s. We just want to start off with a quick icebreaker. Uh, tell us something about yourself that most people don't know about you. Yeah, I would probably say the one thing that not a lot of people know about me is I am a self-proclaimed Fortnite champion. <laughs> I don't know if that means very much, but uh, I've loved video games since I actually broke my back when I was a younger kid and all I could do was play video games. And in the past three months, I've picked up Fortnite and I can normally get a win every single time I get on. So I don't know if that makes me a champion or not, but it makes me feel good. <laughs> well, two points on that. I think one, most people would have picked, uh, you know, breaking their back as the thing that most people don't know about them. <laughs> And uh, two, you might be getting a lot of requests challenging you to uh, Fortnite games now, so be ready for that. Oh, you'll probably beat me, but I love the challenge of Fortnite just because it really matches my competitive personality. One versus 100 are the types of challenges I like. All right, so we have it established. Sam Elliott is a nerd. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> I'll take it. I like it. So tell the audience a little bit about what you're active in now, what you're doing, and kind of how you got there, just to give them a background on your journey through your student life and career. Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Sam Elliott. Uh, you'll find me online, anything Samuel Thomas Elliott. Fun fact, Sam Elliott is a famous Western actor. That's why you see me branding myself as Samuel Thomas Elliott. And I really started off my life thinking I was going to be a pro athlete. I, I loved sports. And at the age of 14, right when I was looking at going into a private high school, I was going to be recruited. So I wouldn't have to, my parents wouldn't have to pay in order for me to be at that private high school school, I broke my back unexpectedly playing baseball. I was a, a baseball 
basketball and football athlete and breaking my back really threw me off and that kind of taught me as I reflect back on everything I've done it taught me the first lesson of things rarely go as planned my plan was to go to this top-notch high school for sports and then play NCAA blank whether it was going to be football baseball or basketball and go pro from there that stopped at the age of 14 very quick so after having to overcome not being able to follow what my dream was and kind of falling in depression, I learned that being confident is a really important thing. Knowing who you are, knowing what you want to be is really, really important. So after kind of falling into depression, after breaking my back and having my dreams not come true, I started to be confident in the decisions that I was making of what I wanted for my life. And that really set a great foundation in order to move forward. It just so happened that the thing that I first wanted to be confident in was socializing with others which has paid dividends since I made that decision. And then the second one happened to be playing golf. My my father was a big golfer and I knew that it was something that I had access to. And I started to play golf and I eventually got recruited to play NCAA golf after playing for a few years. Was a state champion, which also helped. And that brought me out to Colorado, UCCS and everything I know here out in Colorado Springs. That's really a great journey from having to face that adversity at such a young age at a developmental age where a lot of people under normal circumstances are having a hard time figuring out what they want to do and how to get there. So tell us a little bit more about your time in college. That's where me and John Mark first met you and kind of where uh, we saw you make a name for yourself. And if you're not familiar with uh, Sam in the Springs, the who's who know him. If you're involved in the community, <laughs> you know Sam Elliott, not to stroke your ego or anything, but it's it's just a fact you've really went out there and like you said branded yourself. Yeah. So my my experience as a, a division two NCAA golfer once again did not go as planned. Um, there was a little bit of drama that was going on when it came to the team and I started to lose passion in golf. And for me, I'm not sure if you all can hear it right now, but I'm just an overall passionate person <laughs> in everything I do. And it's very obvious if I'm not passionate about it. Passion is something that is very, very hard to fake for me. And as this was happening, I actually had a professor at UCCS, University of Colorado, Colorado Springs, that she asked me what I wanted to be when I grew up. And I kind of just said a professional golfer and she didn't buy it. She could tell that the passion was gone. So she asked, what do you really want to be? I kind of just told her, I don't know. I've never really looked at a backup plan. And the backup plan I told her was essentially the easy route. And she said, you're, you know, that you're meant for more than that. And that's when I learned. And I didn't, I didn't, know that I was about to learn this, but that relationships are key. She spent every day after class walking with me to her office, which just happened to be across campus. Uh, this person, her name was Colleen Stiles. She's really involved in the Bachelor of Innovations, a specialized program at UCCS that I ended up in by accident. But she mentored me. She asked me. She kept on asking why. After every answer I had, she would ask why. And that turned into me really understanding what I wanted to do. I wanted to provide as much value to people as possible. 
And she essentially opened up my eyes to what entrepreneurship is and what it's like to be an overall entrepreneurial person. That's a great glimpse in how mentorship is such a huge role in the development of not just younger people's, but everyone's life. At some point in time, whether you're young, you're old, you find someone that really helps you along the way. So kind of moving on to something we like to talk about a lot is how did you find your mentors and how did they help you uh, become the person you are today? Yeah, so with Colleen, she really found me and I feel really fortunate for that. Now anymore, I think mentorship is a It's an interesting give and take, and it needs to be customized to the individual people, to where some like it formal, some like it really informal, to where suddenly they look up and, hey, we've met four times in the past two months, but we haven't formalized any relationships. It's really whatever that person's looking for, but as a young professional, what I've found is just formally saying, this is where I'm at. I have looked into your background. I've gotten to know who you are, whether that's research them, seeing them in a professional sense and saying, I think I can learn a lot from you. I would like to meet and figure out if our personalities get along. And if they do try and meet on a regular basis is some of the best advice and learnings I've ever had when it comes to finding a mentor. Because some people will be surprised by it. If someone does take it negative, they probably aren't going to be a good mentor in the first place. So it's better to get that out of the way early on. But those who go, oh yeah, I'd love to meet and see if there's any way that I can help you or you'll constantly hear me say the term provide value to you, it often starts something pretty incredible. In my life, the first mentor was just natural. It was actually through church was the first mentor. And it's someone who was older than me and I just got along with really well. His name was John Cheatham. And he was just someone that was such a light that loved life and taught me how to love life and really taught me a lot about confidence when I needed to learn that confidence was key. That was actually a mentor that that lesson came from. But as I moved out to Colorado and had more mentors. It was a lot more about me being strategic and finding mentors and making sure that I would align with that mentor than it was coming natural. But once again, I want to highlight mentorship is something that can be more structured and you can approach from a structured standpoint, but sometimes it's better for a mentorship relationship to be established and to be built over time in more of an organic fashion. That makes a lot of sense. And I think you see benefits in both ways just to match with different personality types. Absolutely. You obviously are a very passionate, motivated guy, so it doesn't uh, surprise a lot of people that you would go out and be very intentional with the people you're meeting and trying to receive mentorship from. But for people uh, like myself, who are a little bit more on the introverted side, taking that slower approach is definitely good to have as an option to find those people who can help you figure out what you want to do in life. Yeah, it's all about figuring out what works for you and really knowing your audience too. Like if you've identified someone that you think might be a great mentor and they're not an extremely extroverted person, it might be better to just ask them for coffee first that, you know, coffee meeting went well. Say, hey, would you be up for doing this again in a couple weeks? Don't necessarily formalize of saying right away, I'm looking for a mentor. As I have taken that approach sometimes, it it really just depends on the individual person and knowing your audience and thinking what works to them. Because really, you're trying to sell what the benefit of mentoring you would be to that mentor. 
because mentor-mentee relationships are supposed to be kind of a give and take where they learn and benefit equally and it's a win-win, whether it's the mentor feeling good about spending time with a mentee and passing on lessons or what I've seen being almost more common is that the mentor learns from the mentee because it's a younger mentality or a more creative mentality that they're able to get valuable lessons from the time spent as well. Yeah, and I think that's something a lot of mentors experience is that they're re-energized by the youth and the young, the young perspective. And so it's not like it's completely the mentee is taking everything that the mentor has. It's like even by just meeting with the mentor, the mentor is getting stuff out of it. Absolutely. One last thing on that. There is a, a Colorado Springs business leader named James Proby who runs the Men's Exchange, an amazing social impact business that, that focuses on anyone being able to dress the best that they can be for whatever position they want to be. When talking to him on this topic of, of mentorship, those who are experienced connecting with those who are inexperienced, I think he said it best of the youth have the passion, the time in the ideas to make things happen. And those who might be older and more experienced have the wisdom to actually make sure it's a success. We balance each other's strengths and weaknesses. It's like with everything in life, there's always a balance. I mean, you look at it even as something as basic as men and women. We balance each other out. It's great. Um, And in the same way, like you were talking about with a mentee, and mentor, we balance each other out and we make sure that we can get things done together because there's very few things in life that we can actually get done by ourselves. Yeah, so. Everything takes a team and oftentimes takes a village. We like to talk to people who have been successful in different aspects of their life uh, to learn from them and see how their journey can be applied to what we're trying to do. One of the most important things is how have failures that you've experienced or problems that you faced taught you lessons that made you who you are today, helped you accomplish things. And yeah, just tell us a little bit about what failures you've faced and what advice you'd give to people who are facing their own. Yeah, I'm the type of person that really focuses on the positive and forgets the negative very quickly. So when it comes to a lot of the failures I've had that have defined my career, it's things that it's a lesson that suddenly I'm facing again. And I'm like, whoa, this feels all too familiar. And then I remember back to that big failure. And one of the biggest things is in communication and working with other people. At one point, I dropped out of college to work full time for a startup. It was an absolutely incredible opportunity that I was I was thankful to have. And I'm extremely thankful that the CEO took a chance on me. I and mean, I was traveling nationwide, uh, being able to work and sell some large marketing contracts and what we were doing. But one of the biggest failures was not being able to communicate, I guess, values and ethics and making sure that we were coming from the same place. It's not necessarily saying that there was anything wrong. It's more saying that I suddenly woke up one day and realized that my values and where I wanted our company to be was not the same as the CEO. So very quickly, when I found myself in an actual formalized partnership, being a co-founder of a startup this time, I really took that failure of not establishing kind of the ground rules and a strong foundation of making sure we're both coming from the same place working as 
granted this was an employee employer relationship but the second one i was able to take the learning from that failure and make sure we started off with the same understandings of how we want to do business if that makes any sense yeah so that makes a lot of sense and i think you touched on a key point here oh that a lot of people don't really know how to navigate when they first face it is making sure you're communicating what you're trying to bring to the table and what your ultimate goal is, whether it's a project, looking at a new job, you know, or even being in school and working with people, just making sure that communication is clear. I think just going down that path, you obviously have a lot of experience with communicating with different types of people uh, in different sectors, whether it's the startup world or the tech industry or just students in general. What kind of advice would you give as far as developing those communication skills? Setting the ground rules up front is extremely important. And rather than going and you setting them, asking questions first. It is such a valuable understanding and personality trait to seek first to understand, then to explain yourself maybe. There's there's a bigger quote in that that I don't necessarily relate exactly to. But when you seek first to understand and figure out where other people are, it positions yourself a lot better to make sure that whatever you want the other person to understand is articulated in their own words. And it goes back to knowing the audience. So when you're working on a a class project and a college project, I actually used to be really honest when I found myself stretched thin and I told people, hey, I'm stretched really thin right now. Whatever's assigned to me, I'll make sure I get done. But outside of that, I might not be able to be communicating as much as all of you. You can trust me that I'm going to have this one thing done. But other than that, I'm not going to be able to go beyond that. Or the times in college class projects where I told them, hey, you know what? I really care about this project right now, such as my senior year where the majority of my marketing class projects was a uh, it was a card game that I invented and mm-hmm. I had to convince all the professors to let our class project or our group projects to be working on my card game moving it forward than for us to do whatever the actual class assignment was I told my team hey I understand that this is a card game that I invented that we're all going to be working on it for a grade but since it's something that I'm benefiting more from I'm willing to take on a lot more of the workload and just having those conversations up front when it goes beyond just a class project and it comes to a company which is something that you really do connect your identity to and who you are and what your brand is it's just making sure that whether the company is large enough to have its own brand that their values align with your values or if the company is small and the brand still aligns with the ceo or the founder's brands that's when you really want to ask a lot of questions and get inside the head of that ceo that founder if you're about to start a company, someone you're considering as a co-founder, make sure that you have some fundamental similarities when it comes to what's important, what you value, and how you're going to run the company. It's important to be different because diversity of all kinds normally brings diversity of thought, which is extremely important in having anything to be a success. But just make sure you have those fundamental values and ethics align of how you want to go about and run a company or a project or even as small as just some community initiative, whatever it might be. So something that you've been kind of talking about and hitting on constantly is your personal brand. So kind of take us through the process of what it was like for you in building that personal brand throughout um, before you moved to Colorado to when you moved to Colorado and how that kind of progressed. Personal brand is a great question. I'm surprised that you're bringing that up. I guess 
it's showing in what I'm talking about because I didn't know what it was for a really long time. I kind of felt that I was living this dual life of what people thought of me and who I actually am. And I've been fortunate to take advantage of a lot of opportunities that have given the team I'm on recognition and give whatever impact we made recognition and also give myself recognition in the form of awards. I'm someone who I do things for myself because I have this huge drive to just provide value. If I am not providing value in something I do, that's when I become uncomfortable. That's when my personal life starts to become out of whack and it starts affecting my professional life. So I learned this, this, this thing to, I actually separate out my personal brand of what my reputation might be and what people think I am and differentiate that and separate that from who I actually am and who I view myself as a person. Because who I view myself as a person is not someone that is impressive. It's not someone that deserves recognition or awards. That's more my professional side or the brand that everyone else is seeing. And that dives even deeper when it comes to social media. Social media is such this weird thing that is so integrated into society today where we all put our best foot forward. And luckily I had parents who taught me very early on with Facebook back when I joined in, I think 2006, maybe they said, whatever you're putting on the internet stays there forever. So be very careful because if you want a job and you posted something that was really immature in 2006 that you thought was cool then when I was in sixth grade in 2006, that you think is cool then that's going to impress all your friends but might not impress your future employer, you should probably not post that altogether. So right away, my, my, it was my mom who kind of really taught me to put your best foot forward on social media. But in today's society, I always felt that that was so fake. So I almost look at my social media pages more as brand pages, as if I'm working for a client and doing digital marketing for them, running their social pages, then it is actually who I am. And I focus more on my personal relationships of letting them know really more of who I am. And I'm not fake on social media by any means, but it definitely is more of kind of like the best life and I'm only putting out what I want to put out. But it also, in a whole nother way, helps my psyche in the way that I process things of separating my brand that might receive their awards from my actual personality that I don't think deserves really recognition because I'm just a normal person that is driven to do things. I think a lot of it comes back to authenticity. So you're kind of talking about um, who you are on social media is like putting your best foot forward, showing the best life. And even in your professional life, you're, you're focusing on being authentic and being intentional in everything you do. Absolutely. And I mean, like, I'll open up to just about everyone on, you know, what might be considered to some as like secrets that they might have in their life. I'll tell you secrets I have in my life. Like I go through struggles. I think we all go through struggles. And I think it's really, really, really important to be authentic. But there's a time and place to do it. And it's not always the best place on social media to pour your heart out on a sleeve. I look at my social media accounts more as something of like, that's my brand and that's how people, I want people to think of me because that is when I'm putting my best foot forward. When it comes to closer work relationships, I'm always honest with people. I feel that I'm always authentic with people. It's just in person, 
I will dive much deeper than I ever will when it comes to social media. And I think having that separation there is such an awesome point. Something that I came across a while back, I don't remember who kind of coined it, uh, but is having a personal statement. Mm-hmm. So you have your mission statements for a business or even for your own uh, kind of goals and objectives, whether that's yeah. personal or professional. Um, but having that personal statement there, it's nothing flashy, but whenever you're going through a problem time or struggles, um, you can just read it to yourself yep. and remind you who you want to be and how you should conduct yourself. Absolutely. Do you have a personal statement that you try to live by and base your actions off of? My personal statement used to always be the best way to predict your future is to create it. I think it's a very stereotypical entrepreneurial quote. It's the furthest back I can track that quote is Abraham Lincoln, I want to say. And I'm so sorry, President Lincoln, if I am misquoting you. If not, you deserve to have that quote because you are an incredible individual. But that is really turned into more of life is better when you live it. It's something in the past two months I've been contemplating a lot of what is my statement? What do I care about? What is my North Star? And it's all about just living life. I think it's so easy, especially when I was in college and now as my young professional career is starting to take off and I'm finding my footing. It's so easy to be anxious, especially with my personality type to where like I always want to be doing more like, oh, what's that next thing? Like, oh, I shouldn't be sleeping. I should be doing this. I should be doing that because it'll help me get ahead. And oh, I should have done this today, or I could have perfected this, and oh, I need to retype this entire email that I just spent 20 minutes with because I could make it better. Life is better when you live it. Live life. It is such a amazing gift we're all given, and just live it. That doesn't mean live it perfectly. That doesn't mean that we're not going to make mistakes. We all know what life is in a general sense. That statement of life is better when you live it really helps me simplify things and makes me realize that things I stress out about or the things that I become anxious about or the things that I worry about aren't really that important. I think that's some great advice. A lot of people get caught up in the rat race and they overcomplicate things. You know, someone put the wrong emoji when they commented on my (laughs) Facebook post or, you know, what does that mean? So I really love that idea of whenever things get complicated, just remembering live life. It's not something that has to be crazy. Just do it. It's going to work itself out in the end anyway. So why, why worry about things that don't ultimately matter for your happiness? Exactly. I mean, there's very few things that any sane person could do that is actually going to mess up their entire life. So why do we stress out about things as if it's the end of the world? You know, and I can kind of relate to you, Sam, in that I have the very uh, driven perfectionist mentality of, like you're talking about, I shouldn't be sleeping right now. I should be doing something else. But no, it's like, just enjoy the sleep. Enjoy the rest that you have and um, go hard when you're working and go harder when you're playing. Just enjoy it. Exactly. Make mistakes. It's fine. You learn from them. And that's what makes life fun. That's what gives you a story. Yeah. <laughs> so what are some of the things that you've learned from your success? So you, honestly, you're not the average person coming out of college. You were never the average college student. You're always doing a little bit more, but not because that was your intention, but because you were just driven. You just had fun doing it. Absolutely. It was, it was really about, I had this internal drive and it, my internal drive came from a a father who ran a business 
and the grandfather who started that business. I constantly got to hear the stories of the struggle. My grandfather, who ran away at the age of 14, doesn't have a high school education, and just had to go out and make it on his own. And he was working for an employer at a time, and that employer went out of business and owed him money as a salesman. And he was the only salesman of the whole company that took that equipment company to court, and he got about half of what he was owed for actually making that money for the company. And he took that money and he, he started Elliott Equipment Company, the, the family business that I grew up really idolizing business. And it was from being in the car, going to and from, you know, football practice, baseball practice, and basketball practice with my father and hearing the business calls that I got this ideation of what business was. And I always thought that business was perfect. So when I had lost passion for, for golf and was meeting with Colleen Styles a lot, and she was teaching me about entrepreneurship, she had told me I, I need to build up real business experience. And that's where it's funny. There was an email sent out to all students at my college that said, call for applications and applicants to participate in the Daniels Fund Ethics Case Competition. And I go, here, this looks like a resume building activity. I'm going to take advantage of it. So really, as someone who really focuses on ethics today, I almost unethically was introduced to ethics because I went from this mindset of, hmm, if I join this initiative, this ethics case competition, it will help me and help me build my resume rather than I want to learn about ethics because ethics are important to society. After I ended up doing that for about three years and participating in these different case competitions that involved ethics and a corporation is faced with this challenge, this is where the law is, this is the gray area, and then here's what's doing the absolute right and ethical thing, was constantly faced with these challenges in these case competitions. And I applied that to what I was doing. And anytime there was an opportunity, I just started to raise my hand and volunteer myself for it. And even though I didn't know how to do it, I would raise my hand because I knew it would build up experience and I knew they needed someone to do it. And I just tried to make sure I put my fears aside and said, hey, I would love to do that if you help me. It was through volunteering that with a specific nonprofit that focused on the startup ecosystem and really bolstering economic activity by helping startups succeed that I learned another big lesson, and that's to give without the expectation of receiving. The startup community in really all of Colorado, when I was out in San Francisco last year, I didn't see it as much, but they always had this saying of give first. And I always translated that into give without the expectation of receiving. And early on in college, through the advice of Colleen Stiles, that, that mentor I had, she just kept on telling me, take advantage of that opportunity, like do it. You might not have the skills, but you'll learn the skills by doing it. And it was through giving without expectation that I truly did end up receiving a lot more than that. And that's how I got that job that I ended up dropping out of school for, made a good amount of money in that job. When I stopped with that job, I was sitting with a chunk of money and I invested in my first company. So I became an angel investor at the age of, I think, 20. It was actually a gin company, so I couldn't even drink the product legally. <laughs> Before investing in the company, but I believed in the company and I wanted the experience. And then from there, it was just this snowball that I didn't realize that all this volunteer work I was doing with this nonprofit was actually going to return to me tenfold of what I gave to it. I think that's something that everyone needs to start doing is truly volunteering their time 
giving without expecting anything in return. I mean, you look at it and I mean, something that we've talked about already, mentorships, that these mentors give without expecting anything in return, but they do receive. It may not be right away, but they get the gratification of seeing these young professionals grow and develop and go and do incredible things. And there's gratification in that. So like you were talking about, when you give, you get that tenfold in return. And it might not be right at first, but that's okay. It's patience. Stuff takes time. Yeah. And it, it does pay off over time. Yeah. And what's funny is some of the, the whether it's recent graduates of college or people in college or even the high school graduates that choose that college isn't the right path for them, when I share that lesson to them and when I meet with them and I'm nervous that they're only doing things because they want to get ahead in their career and they might be doing it with the expectation of receiving back. It's weird how the world works and it almost seems that they end up not getting anything back because they are only giving with the expectation of receiving something. Maybe that has to do with patience and the importance of being a patient person. But those who have ill intentions and very selfish intentions, I've personally seen quite a few of those people not succeed and not actually taking the lesson to heart of give without the expectation of receiving. I mean, it goes back to authenticity. If you're not being authentic in what you're doing, people are going to see that and it won't come back to you. That time that you're giving is going to be worthless because you're not doing it with the right intentions. Kind of take us through your, (laughs) I guess, your career up until until this point. So you've kind of talked about some of your different ventures. So you've gone through college. You've been graduated for a few years now. Yep. I mean, you've had experience in a tech startup. So just take us through that and kind of just tell us your story in that sense. Yeah, so I think it kind of picks up back with Colleen Styles. You got to hear a little bit about the foundation. But I started volunteering for a nonprofit here in town, involved startups, and started running a lot of events for them underneath the people who were actually running it. I was an apprentice, I was an intern, whatever you want to call it, just a volunteer. I mean, it started with setting up chairs. I kid you not, I would just volunteer and say, hey, I can set up chairs. And people would be like, great, we have a person to set up chairs because no one wants to do that activity. And that's when I eventually got the opportunity to work at the creative marketing company. I had clients like the PGA Tour, Alan Jackson, Kenny Chesney, Kubota Equipment, Wrangler Jeans. And I was flying nationwide because just had a great foothold on the country music industry. That's when I truly started developing the sales and marketing skills. Once again, going back to the first lesson I learned is things rarely go as planned as they did with that company. And I found myself putting in kind of my two weeks notice and then really started building up different clubs and getting involved on campus and trying to connect with my peers. That was in the form of creating an entrepreneurship club. If your college does not have an entrepreneurship club, or even if it does have an entrepreneurship club, get involved. It's one of the coolest opportunities to reach out to some of the coolest people in your city and ask them, can you tell us your story? Will you come in and talk to a group of, you know, five? We had times that there was zero other than us organizers, but five, 10, 20, 30 if you're, if you're at a bigger university, talk with 30 college students that want to hear your story and want to be inspired by you. It's a great way of building up your network while you're in college. I was asked to be on kind of the founding team of a local magazine. We printed 25,000 copies and mailed them out quarterly. And I helped build a lot of the digital assets from the website, the social media, got able to have input on some of the branding, worked with an experienced publisher and understand what it was like to actually be in the publishing industry and then I sold advertisement as well. That was a huge experience of it was 2015. 
15 maybe. And I was selling print advertising to companies that were trying to tell me print advertising is dead. And I did my research and I understood the value and I sold on value and I was able to sell some ads. After that, I got the opportunity to be student body president. And I didn't really run to be student body president at UCCS, which was a 12,000 person university because I wanted to be the student body president. I ended up realizing that our student life on campus was not meeting what it could be compared to other 12,000 student universities. And when I started looking into student government, I learned that they managed about a half a million dollar budget. And I, I started really diving into the problem of we have a half a million dollar budget to make student life on campus incredible. The student government has access to sit on any university committee essentially that they want. Why are students not getting what they feel that they want? At least as a, you know, student who didn't know things. I was like, I want what I want. And I'm upset <laughs> at student government. So I, I, I saw the problem. I learned as much as I could about the problem. And then the only way I could think about solving the problem was actually running for student body president. And that was a whole nother experience and a whole nother chapter of my life that taught me a lot about myself. And I became student body president, got really involved in diversity and inclusion and the importance of that and the research behind that and everything that was going on during the Trump election, which was extremely fascinating. And anyone should think it's fascinating, whether they're a Republican or a Democrat, what's happened with the Trump presidency is going to be something that's huge in American history. And then after being student body president, I was asked to become co-founder of a startup, which I said, I don't know if I can be a co-founder of a tech startup. Let me enter the company into a pitch competition, which I have won multiple pitch competitions just because I really doubled down and focused on being a good public speaker. We ended up winning that pitch competition. I remember running from a final in order to actually get up on stage and be able to make our time slot in time. And winning that pitch competition got us an all expenses paid trip to, well, partly expenses paid trip to the international competition in Singapore. So I found myself in Singapore, got to do some international travel of, I was an ambassador for the US State Department teaching entrepreneurship in Vietnam at one point, and I got to teach a college class at Management Central Innsbruck in Austria, all through Colleen Style, so a mentor was able to connect me and some of my peers with those opportunities. But that's what I found myself in Singapore. And I'm like, I vetted once again, back to earlier things I talked about, I've vetted the co-founder, making sure we have the same values, beliefs, and that we are going to work out as co-founders. Because in a startup, being a co-founder, it's like getting married. It is so difficult. It is so hard. But vetted it, went through, figured out we're going to be co-founders. And a year later, we raised about half a million dollars and I left the company. It was not in a place where I, I wanted to be there anymore. We were having struggles as co-founders. It's something very common to have struggles as co-founders. And overall, the company wasn't mine. Yes, I was a co-founder, but I was able to join an absolute genius. We were doing database technologies. Essentially, we made it as easy to build a custom database as it is to build a custom website today on WordPress. I, I ended up leaving the company. And it was something that my co-founder had really asked me to leave. And it was something that shocked me. Once again, things don't go as planned. They rarely go as planned. And then I luckily was able to call up someone that I really trusted in the community and asked if a job was still available that I knew was available. And that was in IT technical sales. And sure enough, it was available. I interviewed at multiple other companies. It turned out that the first call that I made for that position ended up being the position that really matched where I wanted to be in my career today. And that's how I find myself as a business technology advisor 
at Amnet IT Services. And I serve companies 50 to 500, really creating augmented or hybrid IT solutions where essentially my company becomes the IT department for your IT department, filling in the gaps that you may have today. And I think that's awesome. I mean, going off of what Amnet does and what you do, it's like you can't do everything yourself. Like, for example, a company that I've worked for has essentially tried to build all of their departments themselves, and they have branched out in so many different ways that they cannot be good at anything. For example, their CRM system wasn't that great. Yeah. So it's like, okay, why not outsource this to someone who knows what they're doing in the same way, how important it is for companies to outsource their IT to someone who specializes specifically in this. Yeah. So that's awesome. Um, so, I mean, just a quick summary of everything that you talked about. <laughs> I mean, how it's you've gotten to uh, where you're at is just by putting yourself out there, being intentional and trying new things. So, I mean, for a lot of people, it's scary. For me, it's scary, but it's also an adventure. And that's what you've had so far. It has been an adventure to say the least. I pause in saying that because there's times where I'm a, I'm a tall person. I'm six foot six. A defining moment in everything I've done is when I'm overly stressed out and I find myself kind of having my hands on top of a door frame and almost just finding myself crying because I'm not sure if I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And I find myself overly stressed out. And the creative marketing job and working with the database company, I kept on feeling that I was in that position. And it's really important. If you're someone that has high drive, that you don't have a problem motivating yourself to do work. Yes, you always wish you were doing more work. And yes, you can always be more productive and play less video games or hang out with your significant other less or whatever it might be. Make sure that when you're doing things, you're happy. Because I'm someone that could work myself to death. Mm -hmm. And I learned through a lot of those things in the, these moments that were defining moments that I found myself. Normally it was listening to Gary Vaynerchuk and him saying, do what you love. I would be sitting there and being like, I'm not sure if I'm doing what I love. And I would have like almost just silent tears of just bawling of just, I want to succeed so bad, but I don't know what that is. And I don't know if what I'm doing right now is that. So it was always important for me to try and ground myself and figure out where am I right now? Where do I want to be? And is what I'm doing helping me get there? The answer is normally yes, because any work is good experience, but it's really important to ask the last question of, am I happy doing this or should I look for something else? And it goes back to do what you're passionate about, because if you're not doing something that you're passionate about, you're not going to be happy when you're doing it. Yeah. And if you know what you're passionate about, but you don't have the resources to get there because you need money. I was, I was talking with Nathan Joy. He's a quality assurance specialist for Dutch Bros Coffee right before this interview. He lives in California and he covers a lot of the Western states. And I was just talking to him about happiness and finding what you want to do. I mean, literally, we were sitting at a bar. I finished a meeting and he and I, I don't even know how we randomly started talking, but I noticed we had some similarity in something we were talking with with the bartender. And the biggest thing he said was, I mean, I remember working my butt off in a coffee shop because I needed to pay the bills, but I wanted to go somewhere. It was just all about doing something that would help you get to the place that you want to be next. And there's nothing wrong with not being happy with where you're at now, but take the passion of where you want to be, apply that to where you're at now, and know that what you're doing now will get you, 
you to that next step. And I think having that self-awareness to where you know that what you're doing now, it may not be ideal, but it's going to get you to wherever you want to be in the future is is huge. So you mentioned Nathan Joy, and it's super interesting that he works for Dutch Press. Tell us a little bit more about that conversation. So I was talking with him a little bit before we actually got to what do we do for work. Honestly, we were talking about the role of a salesperson and how they are massively untrustable or mistrusted in the in the world that like 33% of people say that they actually trust a salesperson. And that's how the whole conversation started. And then it went down to he, he ends up working at Dutch Bros. And as soon as he said it, it didn't surprise me because the values of Dutch Bros of truly caring about how a customer is doing. So if you ever go to Dutch Bros and if you've ever ha- had them say, so how are you today? And you're like, oh, I'm good. And they go, no, how are you really today? And it like makes you think and you're like, wow, no one's really asked me how I'm really feeling and actually care about the answer. That's what he embodied in what everything he was saying was, is he truly cared. And when he, when he asked a question, he asked it truly to hear the response. And when our conversation got to the point where I was talking about this podcast, I just asked, what's the advice that you have? Or what are some quotes that you live by? I'm a huge quote person. So I was nerding out. I had my notebook out, which I carry (laughs) just about everywhere with me because I feel that anywhere I go, I can learn something. And just the quick quotes that I want to throw out there that really embody who Nathan was and how much I loved this conversation and how much I was able to learn and just hear these quotes that are great reminders. Hope that you all listening are able to take something from this as well. But the big thing that he put, and I tried touching on earlier in the interview, is it's so important that when you're young and inexperienced to raise your hand at every opportunity you get. And in raising your hand, you can't be afraid to fail because you never know where that opportunity is going to go and you never know what skills that opportunity might teach you and it could turn into an entire career path, which Nathan, who I'm highly recommending as a future guest, would be able to tell you a lot more about his story that once again, he had a situation where things rarely go as planned and found himself in a situation where he wouldn't have believed to be in that situation. But other things he talked about was you can't be afraid to be uncomfortable. There's the famous quote of life starts just outside your comfort zone. That's so important. And that's actually how I started building a public speaking skill where I was scared to ask a question at a public event. So I made a promise to myself that I would ask a question at every public event I went to because it scared me. Normally when something scares you, it might be good for you is something I believe. And then a big one that he had brought up is attitude is the only thing you can control in your life. I think it's something we've all read on social media, on Instagram, those motivational posts. But life is 10% of what happens to you and 90% of how you react. A lot of the quotes that Nathan brought up are things that have influenced me in building confidence and pursuing the next venture of keeping going even when things sucked, to be blunt. And it was a really nice reminder to hear from him before jumping on this show what things were important to him because I felt that our personality types really aligned of being extroverts and always wanting to share things that we hope is able to help someone. Just really, really, really love the fact that y'all were willing to invite me on this podcast and hopefully able to provide some value. Oh yeah, you've been dropping so many value bombs. It's amazing. Um, (laughs) So kind of transitioning into our quick bullet questions, recommend one resource that is helpful to you in everyday life aside from your notebook. As elementary as this might sound, I tried pushing through my university that this needs to be required teaching, but get some sort of a cloud file 
organization system that through college you have all of your class files in there and it's something that's easy to track. My personal favorite is G Suite. Yes, I am a Microsoft, well, my company is a Microsoft Silver partner, but the Microsoft G Suite is so perfect. Office 365 is amazing as well. Both can be free, but Google Calendar and Google Drive were extremely important to me when it came to getting through college. And recommend one book. And I have two. The first one that was really important to me, and and I was really lucky that a a friend had recommended it because he had read it and took out a lot of valuable nuggets that are able to help define his everyday life when it comes to personal and career. And it just so happened that right after I read it, I was at Boulder Startup Week in Boulder, Colorado, and everyone was talking about this book. And it was really cool to know what they were talking about. And that book is Ego is the Enemy by Ryan Holiday. It is absolutely incredible. And I recommend anyone with a personality type similar to mine that is constantly driving, that is extroverted, that's always trying to be the best, not better than other people, but better than themselves, definitely read this book. It's extremely important. And the second one that I read earlier on in college that made me appreciate sales and the sales position, that book is To Sell as Human by Daniel Pink. And essentially it says that we're all in a sales position, even if you are a network administrator in an IT department to where you literally don't have to talk to anyone, you're still in sales because we all need to be able to sell ideas, self thoughts. We're constantly communicating with people. And essentially the premise of the book is since we communicate with people, we have to know how to sell because we have to make sure that our ideas actually land on someone with the intent that we had. And we may not be intending to sell the idea, but you're selling the idea. Well, awesome. Samuel, it has been such a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and experiences. Lastly, just share one parting piece of guidance and the best way to get in contact with you, and then we'll say goodbye. I've said it already, but don't be afraid to get outside your comfort zone. Don't be afraid to fail and reach out to people who you admire. Get to know them. Don't admire them from afar. Actually get to know their personalities. Ask them to coffee. Relationships are more valuable than you think. And that's really what's gotten me wherever I am. I don't know where that is. I feel good about where I'm at and that's what's important to me. So if anything I've said resonates with you, I will always jump on bare minimum 15 minute call even in the busiest of my days to to be able to share and try and help someone out you can connect with me on linkedin as i live there these days as a sales professional just look up samuel thomas elliott based out of colorado springs colorado on facebook i do connect with people i don't know on facebook as long as they look normal and <laughs> look like someone who i i care to actually follow because chances are i can i can learn something from you as well so shoot me a friend request on facebook Samuel Thomas Elliott, once again, those are going to be two great channels in order to get in touch with me and let's set up a phone call or some coffee. Awesome. Thank you again so much for being on the podcast. This is John Mark. And this is Brent signing off. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Attitude Check Business Leadership Podcast. It was such a pleasure to have Samuel Thomas Elliott on with us today. I'm kind of bummed out that we only got an hour with him. I'm sure our conversation could have gone on for a really long time. But even in that short amount of time, he dropped so many value bombs that are not only good things to hear about, but are also applicable for young professionals such as us to use in our everyday lives as we develop and grow. Be sure to check our Facebook page for future episodes and stay up to date on what is going on with the Attitude Check Business Leadership Podcast. And of course, subscribe to this podcast on your podcast streaming provider.
Be sure to check back every first and third Tuesday of the month for a new episode.